With its extreme toughness and traction, the new BF Goodrich Mud Terrain TAKM3 is built to climb, made to mud and created to conquer. Find out more at bfgoodrich.com.au. The BF Goodrich Mud Terrain TAKM3. What are you building for? You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Hello, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to Desert Rock FM or for downloading our show if you're a podcast listener from outside the Diamantina. I'm Errol Parker, and with me today, as always, is my colleague and friend Clancy Overell. Yes, thank you, Errol, and thanks, listeners. We've got a big-name guest in the studio today, so it'll be an interesting show coming up. Yes, that's right. Uh, Clancy, we've got the next Prime Minister of Australia coming in here today, but he won't say it himself. He's going to stop by the Koala Mattress studio here on Daru Street to have a quick chat to us about his plan for the future of Australia and a few of the little nooks and crannies about the Labor Party that the layperson might not know about. You might be jumping the gun a little bit, Errol, but granted, he does look like he could be in a decent chance of making that last little ascent to the top of the heap. The man we are talking about, of course, is Anthony Albanese MP. Yes, the Angel of Annandale, the Baron of Balmain, and the Godfather of Glebe. Albo is coming to our humble outback town, and he's been kind enough to drop by the studio to shoot the shit with us down here at Desert Rock. Yes, he, uh, he, he does represent a part of the world that we often put in the crosshairs of our, of our articles, but, you know, he is a good sport. Uh, by joining us, and uh, in turn, I guess you could say we're a good sport by having him on. But uh, before we get into our chat with Albo, you know, we'll be talking about uh, all things from horses' heads and all that mafia business uh, to, you know, the state of the Australian Labor Party. We better uh, pacify our producer Murray from behind the glass wall and mention that you can get 200 bucks off a koala mattress or sofa when you use the discount code ROADKILL, and you can... Uh, vouch for the brand as a valued customer, can't you, Errol? Well, yeah, not personally myself, but my dead shit de facto son-in-law, who I had to buy one of these mattresses for, uh, he's pretty much got squatter's rights over my sunroom at the moment. He certainly can vouch for the hardiness, comfort, and convenience that comes with a koala mattress. So there you go. Anyway, I don't I don't want to talk about him anymore, Clancy. Um We've got work to do here, and um, I just don't really want to think about that useless bloke. So let's focus on what's coming up, Albo. All right, yes, Albo, a man who's been on the scene for a little while, a house kid from, um, you know, the, the aforementioned uh, inner west of Sydney. Uh, he's slowly and patiently risen through the ranks to the point where he is ready to become the Don, um, uh, and I guess we'll be putting that to him today. He, um, he's, been, he's been doing pretty well at, at dodging questions like that of late, but of course there are some um, poll numbers that, that can't be ignored within the Labor Party, and uh, a lot of people are looking to him. Now, we have written a fair bit about uh, Albo, the part-time DJ in the past, haven't we, Errol? Yeah, we certainly have, Clancy. Uh, you were on the scene a few months ago when the uh, Cardinal camper down. Uh, the, the member for Grandler had a very close call with the fuzz down there in Sydney town. Yeah, it was. It was in the developer's capital of the country, uh, down in Sydney, uh, when we, we 
reported on Albo almost getting pinched with a knife out front of his electoral office. A little switchblade. Apparently, Albo's habit of regularly carrying a switchblade is a throwback to his days as a street-level henchman for the um, iconic Sydney activist and Golden Glove boxer, the late Tommy Uren. But yes, the uh, street-smart character that he is, uh, Anthony Albanese, quickly palmed off the switchblade he had on him to a staffer before the police could nab him. Yeah, he certainly had his Canberra hat off uh, by the sounds of things, Clancy. For sure. He um, got his young staffer to hide the blade quickly in a secret compartment in the glove box of his charger and averted uh, the danger, uh, in fact, the, the, the scandal of being caught with it by the police pretty quickly. And all the while maintaining a cheerful smile in front of the old Greek ladies who were in tears as they told him he should be Prime Minister by now. It was an impressive feat. Yeah, Albo certainly does love that charger, doesn't he? Uh, He actually called uh, for an investigation after someone keyed the car down in Canberra. He uh, called on many government agencies who probably have much more on their plate than a keyed car. But, you know, it's one thing to come between a man and his car. We were the only ones down there at the press conference where he basically laid out his plan. Uh, he was quite angry. He was very charged up. He said that, that he had ways of figuring out who would key the charger, but you know he ultimately wanted to do it the right way, the legal way, and, and the way that is more prime ministerial. Yes, he told us he had a fair idea who the culprit was, clearing Christopher Pine pretty early in the piece, but um, he did uh, threaten uh, whoever it was that keyed his valiant. Um, if they weren't, apprehended and uh, made accountable by the law and the government agencies fit to do it, he would be looking to give them a Henson Park kiss if they kept fucking around with it, which I believe a Henson Park kiss, uh, Errol, is where you put your uh, go-card, I guess that's with a bus card in someone's mouth, um, and then punch it. Yeah, it's certainly not the type of kiss you'd get from Christopher Pine, that's No, that's no, definitely sure. not, definitely not. Um I don't think we ever actually found out what happened there, though. No, you, you don't. You don't really find out those kind of things. People like Albo, um, you know, Mister Albanese, if you will, uh, get pretty smart when it comes to sorting things out on the side. I'm sure he got to the bottom of it, and whoever it was won't be doing it again. Uh, we did do another story about the member for Grainland more recently. Yeah, we did. Uh, we exclusively covered Albo's trip to a local parish priest. Uh, where he asked the man on the other side of the confessional to forgive him uh, for what he was about to do to, to Bill Shorten, whatever that may be. Uh, the, the the confessional, apparently it lasted for about an hour. Um, at one point, Father Eric actually pulled back the curtain to try and find a shred of humanity left in our, Albo's eyes. But- yeah, we, we, we caught up with a shaking Father Eric for comment, but he... he uh- he did say he was bound by a strict oath to never speak a word of what he did here in confession. Anyway, he's just stepped into our own confessional booth of sort, so we better forewarn our listeners, particularly our left-leaning ones. Some of the things uh, that we're going to talk about today might rattle them uh, to their very core, and that, that warning, of course, extends to the to the, the right-leaning uh, Batuta Advocate readers and listeners. We are also going to be talking at length about their new pin-up boy, Mark Latham, uh, former colleague of today's guest and um, now very much an outsider to the ALP. And the political system in general. Well, thanks for joining us today, Albo. It's, uh, Good to be here. It's great to get you out here in the uh, in the Diamantina. Always like being at Batuta. And it's important to be uh, in places like this, heading into a by-election, uh, you know. Into five by-elections. Five by-elections. Five. None out here, though. Coming up at the end of this month. None or? out here. I mean, you could put a Labor candidate up against... Um, a little proud, but you might you might battle there, I reckon. I don't know. David's a bit vulnerable, I reckon. 
a bit vulnerable. He's a bit of an, an inner-city inner gnat type. Yeah, right. Uh, I've heard that's what happens once once you get the ag portfolio. I, I think that puts you on well, a bit of a... Look at what happened to Barnbally. Barnbally. <laughs> yeah. Ended very badly. Yeah, it did. And look, that's the thing about accountants. They... um. They kind of they throw on the Akubras, but they can they can quite often slip into the Canberra swamp, uh, if you will. Absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about the current political climate in Canberra. You've, it's been a big bloody year. There's been dual citizens all over the country. You did very well to denounce your Italianness. Uh, I didn't have to, unfortunately. Yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. got to be one time in my life. It's it's good to uh, have a birth certificate with a blank next to your father's mm. name. You know, clearly. An immaculate conception or something like that was involved there, but uh, yeah, no. It uh, therefore no legal status to uh, to uh, my parentage. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't have the same issue as uh, as Matt Canavan, where uh, you had a relative uh, come out of the blue and say that they just might have applied on your behalf. For a yeah, no, that's right, <laughs> that's right. So just no, apply no, on your behalf for the most grueling process there is in international bureaucrats. None of that happened, especially especially now with the current climate going on in in Italy uh, regarding their uh, immigrant intake. It's a bit of a mess in Italy. Yeah, I've uh, I've met a couple of the prime ministers, but you know the problem is you meet them and get to know them and. They're gone. Do they claim you? They're gone. Oh, they they like the fact that I've got uh, Italian heritage and uh, Albanese, of course, is a very Italian name. And uh, so uh, they like that. They uh, think it's sort of a bit of a strange story that this uh, fellow became Deputy Prime Minister way over in in Australia. Do you, can you just tell us a little bit about that? You said you had the, the blank... Um, spot on your birth certificate, but you still took the Italian name, or was your mother Italian as well? Yeah, no, my mother was a, an Aussie, many generations going back, sort of Irish Catholic heritage. Uh, she uh, was born in Camperdown, so was my uh, my grandfather was born in Camperdown, my grandmother was born in Paddington. What happened was my mum went uh, overseas, went on a ship, uh, met my father, uh, had a relationship with him. She was living in in London at the time, became pregnant to him, told him, uh, and uh, he basically said uh, that he was betrothed to someone from the town where where he was from, uh, in uh, Puglia, in Italy. And uh, it wasn't acceptable to have a child out of wedlock. My mother was very Catholic, so uh, she uh, came back... uh, had me, I was supposed to be adopted out, which was pretty common of what happened uh, at that time. And uh, what usually happened was that uh, young women would take trips to the country yeah. for yeah. seven or eight months, maybe to Batuta. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so she didn't do that. She was. Uh, she held st- on. She held on. The story was going to be that my father had died just before I was born and she lost the baby in the, in the trauma. Um, as it was, she decided to keep me, uh, but uh, she took his name, or she uh, referred to herself as his name and gave me his name and told me that, that he had died. So I grew up thinking that my father was dead yeah, right. um, until I was old enough as a teenager, she told me. And I then set about, once she died in 2002, 
I set about finding my father and found him in December 2009 and he he passed away in January 2014. So then I felt like I could tell the story without causing hurt to my mum because she'd lived her life as a Mm -hmm. widow or without causing any uh, angst of a TV camera turning up at my father's place yeah. in uh, yeah, yeah. in uh, in Italy. So, I've got to say, given the citizenship story and uh, all the the chaos around that, I mean, thank goodness I did tell the story in a book by yeah. Karen Middleton, available in all good bookstores, um, because it would have been very difficult explaining such a complex <laughs> yeah. origin yeah. Yeah. in the current climate. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, yeah there's no, uh, there's no. Uh, latent New Zealand heritage, you, you know, if, if Barnaby can get done um, without knowing, I'm sure they they can they, they would spend a, a lot of time trying to find they, something on you. They, they certainly would, but there's a 300 page book that's a, a very detailed explanation of why I, I wasn't in a position to renounce anything. Uh, but uh, I I do have the name, uh, and I'm glad that I I found my yeah. father and people I'm related to in in Italy. It's a good thing. Well, the, uh, the the last time we spoke uh, to the, the leader of the opposition, he um, he assured us that to join the Labor Party, uh, you do need to have all of your documentation up up to speed. Everything needs to be in order. And now we're in the situation now where at the end of this month we're going to five by-elections, four of which were triggered by the Labor Party. So. We had, we had, we actually caught Shorten when he was nice and confident uh, just after Ludlam yeah. had gone down. He goes, <laughs> his, his words, and I think we have it recorded, we, we uh, look after these things in the Labor Party. Let me tell you, if there's one thing we're good at, of course, there's a lot of things that you can't, you can't, um, yeah, particularly with that New Zealand heritage or, or Canadian, you can't, you can't find it all. So do you think now they're going to try to model the application process? around you whereby <laughs> to join the Labor Party you do need a 300-page anthology <laughs> that details it's you a, and It's almost and your like background. that, I've got to say, yeah. uh, already. It's uh, the, the documentation they, uh, they asked for some, again, recently, I guess because the election potentially is getting called and we all had to fill in the, the paperwork again. goes to about 20 pages, I think. Uh, so it's... Um, so you, you grew up a uh, single mother? Yep. In the, in, the, in the towers down there in Camberdown? No, they're the little two-storey places. They're townhouses just opposite what was the children's hospital. So it was one block. You had two-storey houses and then there's a block of flats and it was surrounded by... You had the kids' hospital, you had... Found metal foundries and uh, removal, Grace Brothers removals and panel beaters on one side, Weston's Biscuit Factory on another. There were no houses anywhere near. It was just this sort of one block of city council housing. Um, but a lot of the people, because it was city council housing, um, worked for the council. Yeah. You came up under, and, and we, we've spoken about um, your mentors uh, on our last interview, Tommy Uren, who was you know iconically um, associated with that. We can talk about everything he's done, but the thing is with Tommy Uren, who was a great you know advocate for equality, was a World War II veteran and a, and, and a Golden Gloves boxer. It's a pretty good combination. It's a pretty good combination. <laughs> and a fighter for peace. And a fighter for peace <laughs> and, a fight, and a fighter for equality. There's no one that's lived that life 
anymore in, in politics. I mean, other than you that got to touch a little bit of that, there's. do you find that that might be a problem in politics, that there's almost like this uh, culture of... Uh, that people go into politics as a career move, not necessarily an afterthought. Well, one of the things that's happened is that uh, a whole lot of people who would never have gone to university... Now, go to university. Mm. I mean, I don't know what, uh, how many young people from Batuta get to university, but I should imagine the percentage is pretty high. Mm. Yeah, well, they've professionalised a, um, a lot of careers. We got through uh, journalism in the 60s. Before that was a degree. It was a cadetship. But now everything essentially is, um, is a degree. Nursing. Even journalism itself now. Mm. And You and- can go and spend three years inhaling all manner of things at a college, having the time of your young life and then you come out at the end and, and you still know less than, than when you walked in there but, but now you just got a piece of paper that cost you've you got a degree $18,000 but I'm, I'm the first person in my family to finish school let alone go to university and that's pretty common so mm. uh, people's background has changed um, I said when there was a, a liberal senator uh, who was a prisoner of war with Tom Uren uh, Sir John Carrick who died uh, recently aged 99. And uh, I, I said in the eulogy in the parliament uh, that it was the passing of an era. Uh, these guys, have, being former Japanese prisoners of war, knew hardships beyond uh, what, uh, what we've experienced. Mm. And it's a privilege if you can learn uh, off those people. And I had a relationship with John Carrick, not like I had one with Tom, who I was very close to. But nonetheless, we, we met uh, through Tom and, and kept in contact. Uh, these guys dealt with, with horrific conditions as uh, former Japanese prisoners of war, but they weren't bitter at all mm. either. They were very worldly. Uh, Tom came back. He was actually a manager at Woolworths as well uh, in Lithgow. Ooh. And then he, uh, then he came to... Uh, to Western Sydney and ended up being a, a, a member of Parliament, but uh, he certainly didn't uh, didn't think that that would happen. I'm sure, as he was uh, at Changi or mm. uh, serving on the Burma Siam Railway. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that there's a lot of you know that era. There was a sense of compassion that might have even been beat into them that they that they could carry. And do you feel like there might be people coming from the upper echelon with the path kind of written for them? Um, Tony Abbott is an example. You know, he, he didn't. Um, he wasn't well, exactly. Compassion isn't a strong word for Tony Abbott. <laughs> he, well, he wasn't. He wasn't well, exactly. The, uh, you know, living off food stamps. Uh, no, no, no. He was at Riverview with Barnaby. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you would be one of the few uh, sitting MPs that has been in a fist fight before? Oh no, there's probably a few. Um, Barnaby, I guess he's a, Barnaby. After used, a few, uh, Barnaby used to be a bouncer. Yeah, after a bit of sugarcane champagne, I think Barnaby had light up. Well, you know that could even be in their party room the way they're going. Um, and certainly, <laughs> uh, uh, Tony Abbott was a, a pugilist. Um, but uh, things. Tony were, Abbott never fought on the pebbles, though. Things. It was always in the ring at Oxford. <laughs> things were a bit different uh, in the in the inner city, I guess in the in the seventies. Sorted a few things out. Can you tell us about the day you um, you got made um, into the uh, Italian kind of community? We, we've, been, we've written a few articles about um, Albanese <laughs> and, and the suits that you often wear um, and the relationship you maintain with the um, fruiterers in Griffith. 
Um, which I'm, call- I'm glad you appreciated my dress sense. Uh, on that day, I think the something um, about a black tie with a black shirt is. No, it was it was actually a very rich purple tie, <laughs> uh, to give uh, you know a lot of thought went went into that, and with the the, the striped suit, I think it was uh, very casino ownery. Well, put it this way, um, I said uh, to those people who were cynical in my office in my team about my dress sense on that day. Have you ever seen a Sky News interview get such a run? You were able to do, you were able to do that without any misogynistic comments, which was um... got, I, I just had to, it was just the look, <laughs> just there, without opening my mouth. I managed to uh, get my photo in national newspapers. We gave I you a run, yes. Had articles. Well, you gave it a couple of runs, in fact. Do you um do you what, what uh Corleone? son would you identify with most out of the um that famous uh, family from oh, the godfather oh I, I i love um i love all three i i think that uh godfather three is much alive maligned um no we're talking sons would you be santino would you be the temper no well uh, sent sent no because santino had some Issues, to say the least, uh, some of which were pretty unpleasant. His characteristics, I think, his attitude towards women was um, left a, a lot to be desired, to say the least. Um, I think I'd be the, yeah, you'd have to be the Pacino. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah. Mike. yeah be Michael. Um, you know, because you know, every time, you know, that great line of the movie, you know, every time, you know, I'm. Getting out, you know, they drag me back in, and you know, trying trying to be good, but you know, occasionally bad. Is it true you were at a christening the day uh, Kevin Rudd was sworn back in? I was at a christening. <laughs> uh, no, that is not true. That is not true, and. Uh, nor have I ever been to a red wedding to give a, a more modern example. Now, we need to ask some of the big questions. You've got yeah. by-elections coming up. We've got uh, opposition leader, great great friend of yours, Bill Shorten, who is currently... you got those numbers handy? He's, uh, he's the, the, last, the, the last look we've had was 29 plays. Malcolm's 49 in terms of preferred prime minister. But the Labor Party... At all is 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 in front for the thirty seventh time in a row, I believe. So coming up to the we're on a roll to the end of this month. There's a, there's a pattern here. Yeah, I know. How do you think you'll go? I mean, you've got. I think we'll win all four back. Yeah, I think we'll win. Well, Perth and Fremantle, the other team haven't shown up. Yeah, no. You no, know, we kicked, we kicked off. Mm-hmm. We've picked up the ball. We've ran, put it over the line in yeah. Perth and Fremantle, like. It's over. It's a, this is the the nineteen oh nine grand final South v Balmain uh, replay. <laughs> this is a tragic story. Replay. It's nineteen oh nine. Please continue with your metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose the the biggest test then would be uh, the Electra Longman, which has a fabled history, uh, especially in recent parliaments. You've got uh, the Wonder Boy, uh, Mr. White Roy. Uh, he come up through there you've got uh, a whole manner of 
very colourful characters. Bruff was there for a while too. <laughs> he was. Remember him? Yeah, Mal and um, Mal. He, he, he was going to be. He was going to be something. Be like Dash- Dasher. It was written for he's, him until he. He's just gone until it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do you think we can expect to see you and Bill up there alongside Big Mal and and his cohort up there that's, on the that, day? That's I, yeah. That's I, what we need. Uh, I, I've been up there uh, to Longman. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be back there again in the next uh, in the next week. Um, it's a good part of the world, Longman. We need, to, we need to ask questions now. We're talking polls and we're talking history repeating itself. We've made a few metaphors from, you know, polar movies to, to Bunny's grand finals. But uh, the American election was, uh, was, was an interesting uh, case study in that uh, Hillary Clinton represented, I guess, the establishment and Trump came in. It was an outsider candidate. And a lot of people argued that realistically it should have been a, a rebel election. You know, uh, Bernie Sanders yeah. could, have, could have done that. Now, we, we had... Uh, with Shorten uh, and Abbott, what two years ago? They were the two, uh, you know, leader of the opposition and the prime minister, both representing the establishment. I guess you could say, Turnbull shot through, knocked off Abbott as the, you know, single probably different story, but only a couple couple clicks down the road from you was a, um, you know, single single father, uh, you know, self made politician, uh, and now you've got that man up against Bill Shorten, who's still got a little bit of that Hillary complex. Uh, do you think there's going to be a point when, for example, you're pretty confident in these by-elections, but if a couple of these don't come through, Shorten's going to have to look at himself. And would he be willing to look at himself in a, in a different way to the way Hillary looked at herself, which was to just keep charging ahead? Now, I, I reckon that Bill is very determined uh, to be uh, the the Prime Minister of Australia. He's... Uh, He's had that fire in his belly for a, a long time, I think. Um, I think we'll do well in the by-elections. We'll wait and see. We're not mm-hmm. taking it for granted. Uh, but uh, we've got sitting members recontesting in Braddon and Longman, which are the two uh, close ones. But they're both marginal seats, so anything can happen. I think there's far more of the population today aren't rusted on. It used to be... Yeah, you know, 40% voted Labor, 40% voted Liberal, and then you're worried about the 20 in between. Um, in places like Queanbeyan. In Queanbeyan, that's right. In the uh, great seat of Eden Manara down there in the cold uh, country. It's very, uh, it's very different now. So uh, politics is more volatile. We'll mm. wait and see what happens, but uh, I'm very hopeful that we'll win um, and uh, that uh, that will be... Uh, a lead up to a, a win in the big one, which will happen sometime uh, at the end of this year or at the beginning of next. So we're getting a fair bit out of you using metaphors. Uh, let's use another one that you might be comfortable with. Are you the uh, third Burgess brother sitting on the bench at the Bunnies Grand Final 2014? You, you know, ready to ready to run on there when your when your big brother breaks a cheekbone off the kickoff. See, Sam stayed on. All right, good old he Sam. He That's played the, the whole game there, Clancy. That yeah. metaphor doesn't work, mate. See, see. But Sam, he did run on in the Sam's end. Sam's plays are tough, you know. <laughs> broken cheekbones, broken right. jaws. He just for referenced Sattler. Yeah. He just referenced the 1909 grand final. I should have known that I was going to be stumped <laughs> on that one. Um, are you, are you Ponger? Are you Kalen Ponger sitting on the bench for Queensland game two this year? Well, I, I am. I am. A, I'm certainly a playmaker, and I play my uh, my role in the team. 
but uh, I'm not the captain. Bill's the captain, and uh, he's doing a good job as the captain. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to uh, go kind of Cherry Evans on him? No, don't write <laughs> Don't. Uh, I'd never do anything in a manly jumper for a start, <laughs> you know, so, so that immediately can be dismissed. Uh, you know, I'm sort of play around the scrum base somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, pass the ball, take the ball up occasionally. I'm more like a, you know, Tommy Radonikas type of halfback. Yeah, right. You Terrific. Know, you know, have tell a us, crack. Tell us a little bit about Dastiari. How did you feel when you saw that all unfold? Did you think, mate, you're playing with fire? Poor old Dasher. Oh, he's a mate of mine. Um, I think he made some mistakes and he paid a pretty big price. In the scheme of things, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's paid quite possibly the heaviest price for quite possibly the smallest misdemeanour over the past year in that, in, in that ivory castle down there in Canberra. Yeah, well, he, uh, he certainly did. But he's, I ran into him the other day and uh, he's pretty happy, I think. He's uh, he's doing well. There's rumours about a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, appealing on. He might be our next Latham on an on another station. <laughs> no, well, nah. no, 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 no. He'd, he'd never think... be. Don't don't say that. That that's the sort of you know that's like dropping a bomb that is completely unacceptable. <laughs> Comparing anyone to. Uh, to uh, Mr. Mr. Latham, were you were you were you an MP when uh, Latham was um, getting uh, waterboarded by Howard in that election? <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, it ended very badly. Well, I, I think to be fair, uh, he was doing that to himself largely. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the handshake mm. outside. Uh, You've cooked it, mate. The studio. Mm. And I just thought uh, you just the whole world just saw that pent-up aggression, you yeah. know, he... Uh, Did you know he was a fuckwit back then? <laughs> I uh, I didn't vote for him. I begged people to not vote for him. Uh, I uh, never was a Latham supporter because uh, I always thought he had this huge chip on his shoulder. See, it's a bit of a giveaway when you break a taxi driver's arm. Right, that, yeah. That was like that was before he was made the leader. Bit of a giveaway that there's some issues that need to be resolved uh, in uh, over your demeanour. He did have, you know, uh, ability and capacity. Smart, no doubt about that. But uh, nah, he, yeah. It was uh, Australians uh, dodged a bullet there. I think, and I think so did the Labor Party. Yeah, it was a very. Odd it was always going to end badly, really. <laughs> uh, it, it was a pretty weird time, uh, in retrospect, for the Labor Party. I mean, you had um, Simon Crean there, who's who historically been uh, quite unpopular for some reason. You had uh, Kim Beasley, who had a couple of attempts of trying to climb up the wall but didn't quite get there most times and then um I suppose you had the golden boy from uh from South Brisbane there come in for you yeah and he uh he got us there in mm. the end in 2007 you um yeah we've only won three times from opposition mm-hmm. since the second world war and every time there's been a bit of oomph to our campaign uh Whitlam Hawkey and and Rudd um you know, Latham was a uh, a difficult time, I think, for the Labor Party. Um, 
I think when he when he did that infamous um, walk in the park when he shaved his head, that was a bit of a sign that there was something wrong. Smash, yeah. Smashing the photographer's cameras yeah. with a hammer and giving them back. Like how many <laughs> examples? And giving them back. Did people <laughs> did people need? Well, he fought a guy at Hungry Jacks as well. Uh, he did. He. he, he uh, he was he was happy to uh, you know, and then he harassed uh, Julia Gillard, who, you know, she had uh, supported him becoming leader of the Labor Party. Um, no, Mark was funny bloke, mm. funny funny bloke. Um, yeah, and now he's he's he can't work out whether he's in the the LDP Liberal Democratic Party or in One Nation. <laughs> as long as he's not in Labor, I'm happy. It's interesting about the L- the uh, LDP now because no one really knew what it was uh, until just a couple of weeks ago where we had um, David Lionhelm um, said some fairly average things about Harry Hanson Young. And now um, there's a few whispers, especially in the in the media cohort, that he was only only doing that because he, he, he was uh, elected on a fluke whereby... When he was elected, he was placed at the top of the New South Wales sort of ballot uh, for the Senate, and he had the word liberal in his um, in his party name. Um, so a lot of journalists and, and, and commentators that we've spoken to, they've they've said that this whole thing that he's doing is is to try and win some votes so he doesn't end up out on his ass uh, at the end of the year or early next year. I think that's probably right. I think he's looking for attention. And look, we're talking about him. Mm. Yeah, um, he's got it, hasn't he? You know, so uh, that uh, view of the world of you know any publicity is good publicity, I hope is wrong. Now, we, we, we're a bit short for time here, but we, um, we thought we might ask, policy-wise, you're, you're, you're very much a party man. If you were, for whatever happened... Um, and were put forward to the top job heading into another election. Are there anything, uh, any kind of policies or ideas you'd like to bring with you and then first discuss once you're in that position? Well, no, because I won't be in that position, see. That was a trick question that I managed to navigate <laughs> due to my <laughs> my uh, years of political skills. Uh, but um, uh, I guess I I have a chance to put forward ideas now. I've never mm. been shy. Um, so one of the things I want to do is do high-speed rail. Yep. I reckon that is a cracker of an idea. It stacks up. It's happening everywhere in the world except for here. It should happen here. I don't think it'll go to Batuta. I think you need... What's the population of Batuta now? Uh, last census... It's hanging around 55. Yeah. 55. Yep. Thousand. Thousand. Yeah. Not yeah. fifty five. No, no, not, not fifty five. Fifty five thousand. Is... Yeah, you see if you put uh another few O's on it. Mm. So then... we're we talking Wagga, Tamworth. You would be about the size of um about the inner rings of Dubbo, you would yeah. be at about fifty five. Mm. You need like you know, a couple more O's on it at least. You need like five and a half million. All right, well, so uh, I don't think Batuta's going to grow to that. Not in the short term. We will put the young men and women of Batuta on notice. But just there's one policy that, that we just like 
to thank you for um, on behalf of the of the good folk down the road at the Batuta United Breweries. Um, oh. Your long and hard work to make the lives easier of, of all the uh, small brewers around the country. Uh, they'd like to buy a beer after this. It's been a short interview's over. You know, it's quite good. It shows that you can do some things from opposition and get some change. Mm-hmm. It's a big win. Yeah, it is a big win. And the government tried to get out there and claim it because it was their budget after all. But fortunately for me, I mean, no one believes that Scott Morrison knew anything about craft beer. Mm. Like, just it just <laughs> didn't wash. He's more of a pure blonde kind of guy. He's more a, you know, light beer shandy yeah, yeah. kind of guy. I more think. of a bit of Hillsong in him. A red wine on a Sunday night. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it goes that far. Maybe Unless it's taking communion. Maybe on a Saturday night. <laughs> a little bit of a... Uh, maybe Sunday on, morning. Maybe <laughs> on Mac. a Saturday night. Now, um, another metaphor, and we'll finish with this one. You seem to be good friends with Christopher Pine. If uh, there was a scenario where uh, there was an earthquake or a lightning strike or an explosion at Parliament House and you had to form your own party with the survivors across all parties... Um, who would you would? Is there anyone you reckon you could bring with you to form your own party with? Wouldn't you like to see Christopher Pine as the minister for sport? <laughs> you know, well, defence is. Uh... He's a natural. He's <laughs> yeah. a natural for it. Well, I'd also like to see you having to wrangle Bob Catter as the uh, oh. as the education minister to be. be good. <laughs> education and Bob Catter. Well, that that would be a fit. <laughs> no doubt about that, but you'd think that you'd put Bob Catter in charge of industry. He'd be fantastic. He would. He'd get stuff built and done. Like his inland canal idea. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, the last time we spoke to him, he said he needed $9,000 million to build a canal from the Gulf into Mount Isa. He said, if you take the rails out of it. That's quite eerie, you know. You've, uh, you've spent too much time with Bob Catter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a good man. Bob Catter is a good man. He's a good mate of mine. We actually have, here's a little known fact. In Parliament House, Bob Catter is on the first floor above us. We have our own little stairwell. There's, there's, right. yeah. there's, there's nowhere, no one else to the end of him and no one else to the end of me. Just a little stairwell. The only people who ever use it are people from my office and and Bob's office for the uh, secret little arrangements that we have. <laughs> Going up for birthday cake or coming out. He doesn't drink, Bob. No, uh, just milk. No, only milk. Yeah. I guess I guess, I guess, guess you'd say, you know... Uh, I reckon you would have got pretty good odds on uh, suggesting to your listeners out there if you said to them, what sort of beer does Bob Catter like... I reckon none of them would have said none of the above. <laughs> none of them. I mean, you know, it just doesn't quite fit, does it? Um, well, I guess, do you think Do you think Bob's going to miss you when you move office into the big, into the big house? In the big oh, house? He's, he's still trying. <laughs> he's still trying. Mate, Bob, Bob will go wherever I go. Uh, he's, uh, how good's Bob? He's managed to recruit. Yeah. A new bloke who hasn't been elected by anybody, but still he's managed to recruit him a new senator. <laughs> yeah, he's, that was a well, Fraser Anning. He's doubled in size. Yeah. 
Love his. Um, That's an act of genius from pro, Catter. Pro drinking uh, policies. He's big on yeah. getting getting kids on the grog early so they avoid There's doing not drugs. Too many people left in the red room that have been elected to the party that they are in there. That's true. For these days, it's, <laughs> that's true. It's a bit it, of a revolving door. I got yeah. introduced to someone recently. I won't say who it is, and uh, they got introduced by someone. Do you know? And I went, oh no, yeah, pleased to meet you. And you know, what do you do? <laughs> he said, I'm in the Senate. I said, oh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's been the last few years for you. Yeah. Oh well, good luck in the next election, and. Um, I'm interested to see who you pick as your deputy, but um, yeah, no, it'll be it'll be an interesting one. All the best, Mr. Albanese. Thanks, guys. It's been uh, terrific as always. Thanks for coming all the way out here, mate. And good luck with the bullet rail, bullet train, speed rail, speed rail, speed rail. Yeah, whatever. People call it different names. What's the Japanese word? The bloody facet Shinkansen. Shinkansen. All right. Well, good luck with the Shinkansen. We look forward <laughs> to having a station near here. Near here. Near here, give or take a couple of thousand k's at Birdsville. Yes, we've gone a bit over time this week. Uh, very interesting interview there with Mr. Albanese. Errol, I thought uh, I thought we might be able to get him to slip, but he's he's pretty well trained. He's been in this game a while. Uh, no matter uh, how many metaphors, be they Godfather or South Sydney Rabbitohs related, he he managed to avoid saying anything that'll uh, that'll result in a hot take on ABC Radio National. Anyway. Yeah, it was like trying to juice a banana, Clancy. Uh, very hard to get anything out of Albo, but, you know, he's a seasoned poly. This isn't his first rodeo, and I think we're just coming up to the top of the hour now, so I think we should move things along. Up next is Hollow Sport, uh, but before that, we've got the news bulletin there at the top of the hour. Uh, until next week, my name is Errol Parker. Please stay out of the pokies and don't talk to the police if you don't have a lawyer present. I'm Clancy Overall. You be kind to each other. With its extreme toughness and traction, the new BF Goodrich Monk Terrain TAKM3 is built to climb, made to mud and created to conquer. Find out more at bfgoodrich.com.au. The BF Goodrich Monk Terrain TAKM3. What are you building for?